These are the daily lectionary comments for uh, June the 28th. We're going to look at uh, Joshua chapter 3 and the crossing of the Jordan River into the land of Canaan and the very uh, uh, important uh, chapter 9 of Acts, the conversion of St. Paul. Also, you may notice when you are looking at your uh, at your um, uh, the podcast uh, that it has an opportunity or gives you an opportunity if you want to send a voicemail or a voice message to me and it, it's it's clickable there i don't know how it looks on your particular device but if you see something that says that you can send a message to this podcast that message will go to me and only to me and nobody else and i sure would appreciate any kind of feedback good bad or indifferent in terms of the folks who are out there following this podcast because I don't hear anything from anybody. All I do is kind of see aggregate numbers of how, how many people are watching the, the podcast. But I'm not getting much in the way of feedback on individual, uh, on individual programs. The other thing that you can do, and I'd be happy to, to have you do this, and that is if you have questions about passages that I didn't address and you would really like me to do that, I would be happy to respond to these sorts of things. So anyway, take a look and see if you can see what I'm talking about. And uh, hopefully you'll find that uh, useful. Okay, Joshua chapter 3. Yesterday, we looked at Rahab, the spies, and the scarlet thread. And the point was made that that scarlet thread conjured up the image of the blood of the lamb from the original uh, Exodus in Exodus chapter chapter 12, uh, 11 and 12. And so... Um, we see a reflection back to that. And now in today's devotion, we see another reflection back to Exodus. And that's the drying up of the water of the Jordan River uh, so that the people could cross over on dry land. It's very, very uh, much like the um, drying up of the Red Sea so that the people could leave Egypt on dry ground. So the point here isn't that we have a new redemption here, another example of what God did uh, in Exodus. Actually, what we're seeing here instead is a completion of what God began in Exodus. All right? So we're going to see uh, a number of instances where things that began uh, under Moses in Egypt and, and the crossing of the Red Sea and in the wilderness are going to find completion under Joshua in the conquest of Canaan. The reason for this, of course, is that when God came to Moses, he did not merely promise to rescue the people from slavery in Egypt. He did promise to do that, but rescue from slavery in Egypt was part one. Part two was entering into the land of Canaan and taking possession of it where they could live with God in peace and security. So God is fulfilling the promises that he began to fulfill under Moses in Exodus. And that's why you keep seeing these, these little, um, uh, little signals that show uh, that what began then is, is still going on, the, the scarlet thread, the crossing on, on dry ground, for example. Another thing you'll notice in um, chapter 3, and you're going to see this in, in upcoming chapters as well, is an intense focus on priests, and the ark and things of that sort. In other words, what you have here is an example of what can truly be called a holy war or a religious war. 
it's not just a war where the people have some religious idea in their head. This is a war where God himself is fighting for his people. The text makes it very clear that there's no way that the Israelites would be able to conquer the Canaanites except that God himself is, is delivering them to him. Look at uh, verse 10, and, and uh, the Lord says to Joshua, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites. That is, the drying up of the Jordan River is a miraculous proof that God himself is fighting for the people. That's why there's such an emphasis on the ark. The people watch the ark, and that is symbolic of the fact that God is present among his people. Also, the emphasis on the priests, the priests carrying the ark. It's the priests that are going to step into the Jordan River, and that is going to be the thing that is going to cause the Jordan to dry up. All this emphasis uh, on the work of the priests and God's activity is to take the emphasis off the military prowess of the Israelites. And that's very important, not only in this passage, but in passages to come. We'll see that's going to be very important in the capture of Jericho. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. This event described here, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, is one of the most important events to have happened in, in, in the the founding of the Christian church, other than, of course, uh, the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus himself. Subsequent to Christ's resurrection, I can't think of anything else that would qualify as nearly as important as this event, this conversion of Saul of Tarsus. It's so important, and, and the people and the Christians at that time were so aware of its importance the book of Acts records this story three times. This is the first in chapter 9. But if you go to chapter 22 of Acts, you'll see that Paul tells, well, Saul, he'll become Paul, tells this story again uh, to a crowd of Jews in Jerusalem. And then in chapter 26, he tells this story again to Herod Agrippa uh, as he's hearing his case. Tells it almost the same way. And the fact that this same story is told three separate times ought to put everybody reading the book of Acts on notice that this is a very, very important thing. Also, I've talked about the organization of the book of Acts, um, beginning at Jerusalem, then moving out to Judea and Samaria, then moving to the ends of the earth. Or a second way of looking at this is the movement of the gospel first from Jews to Jews, and then to Samaritans, and then to God-fearing Gentiles, and then eventually to Gentiles. Talk a little bit about another way of looking at the, the uh, book of Acts is to show the progress of the gospel from the capital city of the Jews, Jerusalem, to the capital city of the world, Rome. Now there's another sort of organizing principle that you can see clearly in the book of Acts, and that's the two halves. The first half relating and having as its primary actor, St. Peter, and the second half having as its primary actor, St. Paul. Peter and Paul often go together. You can think of Peter, James, and John. Those three go together. Or you can think of Peter and Paul. Peter's, the emphasis of Peter's mission 
was to bring the gospel to the Jews so that they would receive their king. The emphasis of Paul's mission was not going to be to the Jews, but to Gentiles. And so the focus of the second half of the book of Acts is how the gospel will be brought to people who knew nothing about Moses and nothing about the scripture and nothing about any old covenant or anything and how that gospel would would be related to them and how they would be received into the kingdom now there's going to be a problem that's going to develop and it wasn't immediately obvious to the christians we've already seen gentile god fears who have been received into the kingdom of god and uh, in chapters 10 and 11 we're, we're going to see more of that we're also going to see a rise of a problem and that problem is this what do we make of a Gentile who becomes a Christian? Are they in any sense like a Jew who becomes a Christian? Or another way to put it, what is the relationship between the New Testament kingdom of God, the church, and the law of Moses? Is a Christian a type of Jew, or is, has the Christian church simply moved on from the law of Moses, and is the law of Moses no longer applicable in the New Testament church? That is a big deal, and it's going to take many chapters in Acts, and not only in Acts, but also we're going to look at the book of uh, Revel of uh, of the Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians, to deal with this question. It was very convulsive in the early church, and that question really gets uh, began to be earnestly dealt with with the mission to the Gentiles, which begins with the conversion of Saul here in chapter 9. So I'm laying this foundation and going way beyond what's actually in this text, letting you know that a lot of the things that are going to become very important in the text of Acts uh, sort of begin here with the conversion of Saul and his mission to the Gentiles.